Janet Lee, those songs, they just made me feel like I wanted to stand up and start shouting and praising God. You know, ladies and gentlemen, we thank God for Janet. We thank God for her keyboard talent. And this songs of Thanksgiving Fest, or the, you know, they're about us praising God. They're also in remembrance that tomorrow in Canada is Thanksgiving. Canada has an earlier Thanksgiving than the United States does. And we thank God for both Thanksgivings and pray that both nations will always remember to be thankful unto God. And again, thank you, Janet Lee. So today, we are on the Astounding Bible Revelation of the Universe, Part 15. And uh, the, the subtopic is still the last dragon. Now, we talked about this last week and about the five strings of resonance. Number one, the string of the great star dragon, past of the angel wars. And um, we're, still, we're still on that subject of number one. So we better get with it because we've got two, three, four, five other parts of the strings of resonance of the last dragon to talk about. Uh, they probably will go faster than this, but nevertheless. So in our uh, broadcast announcement, uh, we wrote to you about the battle of the angels, of the, of the good and bad angels, and, and how that uh, this created a story, a story of a strange, strange burst. And we call it strange because when scientists look back into the rumble-jumble of the universe and they try to figure out based on their math and scientific insight how that a gigantic stone such as uh, struck the earth and is supposedly the stone that wiped out the dinosaurs we aren't here to particularize which particular stone did the damage but beyond a question of a shadow of a doubt stones rocks asteroids were involved in the destruction and we know that the the one particular stone that struck in mexico was of a diameter and a depth most outstanding so the chaos that it brought to the earth and the destruction was sensational, to say the least. As we're talking about dynamics like that, and about this sudden burst of, of chaos that erupted in the Jupiter-Saturn asteroid belt, which the scientists, astronomers also, find strange, because it didn't happen the way they would have supposed that it should happen. Something they feel occurred that is not dynamically known well the bible knows the servants of god the prophets know the bible says on the about the seven revelations when the seven thunders 
of revelations are revealed, then everything is going to be finished. And that these revelations, these seven thunders, are going to be revealed to God's servants, the prophets. So here I am today, just a small and humble little part of that epic, but I'm here to fulfill the word of God that says that prophets would bring forth this revelation. I'm here for that. And you are out there to listen because God has a destiny for you. And we are in the beginning of a sweeping referendum of God that is moving by the Spirit across all the seven continents of the world to bring the knowledge of God not only to this earth world but to the universe. And it's a festivity of joy unspeakable and full of glory. Now, in my announcement, I mentioned that there was a battle of the angels of good and bad. And in the, the furry of that angel war, there was caused a huge asteroid to jump its orbit and make an, an abrupt change of axis from the Jupiter-Saturn belt to burst by being catapulted by a dynamic ejection of rock hell to planet Earth. I want you to hear this story now. I want you to listen to these scriptures. I want the Holy Spirit to reveal to you how far advanced that the Bible is. What an incredible book that the Bible is. How that it unfolds these stories. How that by the the Bible, these things are known. The Last Dragon. Apocalyptic. Well, lots of things are apocalyptic. Lots of things are, 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 are signs. And we know that there's a lot going on. We know that they say that in nine years that the oceans are going to rise. And the weather is going to change. We know that they are beginning to uncover the dragons of the past. They just recently found another dragon. And I find that so interesting. What a timing. The one dragon that I told you about that they found in Romania that they call Balar, which name means stocky dragon. And they found that in the Romanian country. And that's the country of strange things and strange stories. It has a Draco footprint there. And there are many stories, many tales that have come about. This dragon that they found, I told you last week, has really stocky limbs that are fused bones. 
And it has double sickle claws on the feet. And that's just the beginning of the finds that are going to happen. Especially as the, the poles melt, what will be found there? Will it ever be interesting? Yes, it will. Now, there will always be those people that will say, there's nothing like that in the Bible. Well, I beg the difference with you, sir and ma'am. If you are saying such a thing as that, you are only revealing your lack of knowledge. So why don't you just unzip your coat, throw your feet up on a stool, relax, and listen to what the Holy Spirit and the power of God can reveal um, concerning this, this word. Because there are things that people need to know. For instance, the, the thing about Babylon is an incredible mystery of revelation. And we, in our translation in one of the chapters of Ezekiel, show how that there was a sixth dimension and that this, in, the, in the, the, what is called the last days or last dispensation, was going to be revealed. And it was a revelation about Gog and Magog. Many of these things that just suddenly come up in the, in the Bible. And people want to go back and say, well, there was, you know, people genetically called that name. They, they were given that physical name. <clears throat> and they think that's the end of the story. They think that's the whole of the whole. The all of the all. Suddenly, the name Gog and Magog shows up again in the book of Revelations. And, and, and it's almost an army without number. And this in addition to the 200 million entities that Lucifer Satan makes while he has the key, as described in the ninth chapter of Revelation, to the bottomless pit, which is not a hole down into the interior of the earth that comes to an end, because this space is endless, it's a bottomless, it's space. And in this space, he begins to make these, these creatures. Creatures described as scorpions and, and locusts. Well, there's a whole story about that, and I've ministered on that some. And you would do well if you do not remember it to go back into the, into the blogs and back into the, uh, the archives of the recordings of the, of the broadcast teachings. But this name Babylon, yes, it's a mystery. And it, it starts with a man called Nimrod. And Babel, which is Babylon, is, is built. And it, it's the story about 
the angels of God coming down and saying, we got to stop this. There's no limit to where these people are headed. Their imagination is going to lead them into things that is not meant to happen. And so it becomes an episode of the confusion of tongues. And that's the idea of, of Babel, the confusion of tongues. But then comes the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost, which allows people to speak in the tongues of any, any nation. It's like a wand of deliverance that is suddenly given to people. Not that the Holy Spirit had on, not already been on earth. Not that there were uh, not people that had received the Holy Spirit. But it had not been given in a mass, general, complete, whole world offering to the world, to the people of the world. And so, people need to understand that this thing of Babel is very, very important. I find it very interesting that there is available on the internet a system of translation called Babylon. And you can get any, almost any language and plug into this system and it will translate the words of that system. Babylon. Well, Here's what you need to know and understand. How Satan diffuses, how Satan hides his story is by using different languages and names of different languages to tell the, the story and thereby to confuse those people that Satan does not want to know the story. And people read a name like Nergal, which is the name for Mars. And they, need, they read some of these names, you know, for, for Latin or for Hebrew. Like, you know, in Latin or Akkadian, names take on a different a different meaning in the Canaanite language the word Kaiwan which is the name for Saturn and it's in the Bible means Astoroth which is the name of the Queen of Heaven if we're talking about Akkadian it means Bell which I'll go back over that a little later here to show you the importance of how these names are so important to know. So when we read in the Bible a name like Raphan, the star Raphan, people don't know or think too much about it. They don't understand that that also is the same as Kawan or Moloch They don't understand that. And that each one of those names has a different aspect to it. So it helps fulfill additional meanings. This is real Akava. 
solution to solution to complicated things, solution to riddles, type of information. And God wants us to know this stuff. God wants us to know that once upon a time in a lost history, the Earth, Mars, and Saturn rotated on the same common axis of polar column. God wants us to know things about Astrodon, that great star that was exploded by angels out of which the solar system was made. Someone says, well, that name's not in the Bible. Yes, it is. And the word aster, of course, means like star. And aster dawn is the dawn of the story of what happened to that particular star and how its parts were used to make most of the solar system. And we have to understand this thing about the solar system's theater. So when I talk about Saturn and I refer of something to Saturn, and if I talk about a huge asteroid, a rock, coming from the, the Saturn complex, I'm not talking about it necessarily coming from off the planet Saturn. I'm talking about it coming off the Jupiter planet, the, the, pardon me, the Jupiter-Saturn asteroid belt complex, which is all part of the theater that incorporates both Jupiter and Saturn. Because after all, you can't land a rocket on Saturn or on Jupiter. They don't have a surface. And when scientifically they are described as not having a surface, that's because there is no solid land to land on. It, they, are, they are gas giants. They are two of the four gas giants in this solar system. So we have Jupiter, we have Saturn, Uranus, and Neptune, which are the four gas planets. And you can't land on them unless you land on something that sort of floats. Unless you create something to sort of float on top of it. So I understand that, and I know that. Well, I'm talking about Saturn, I'm incorporating the system. And so we have to understand when we are looking in the Bible and we are reading in the Bible that many times subjects are referenced to a system. And that system is not located to just the index of some single dot of creation. But it incorporates and includes a multiplicity. So when we talk about the earth, we are talking about the billions and trillions of atoms. So that things that are seen, the Bible says, are made of things that do not appear. So the things that do not appear are nevertheless still part of the things that do appear. And the same thing is true with Scripture. There are things that do not appear on the surface of the Word. Unless you get into the 30, 60, 100-fold depth, 
you will not understand seeing the invisible and the transparent. You have to get into the real deep word to be able to bring out these things. You have to be able to look at the name of Mars, Nergal, and see in the language barrier that part of Nergal that actually incorporates Galgal or, Nel, or, or, or Gelgal, which has to do with the story of the wheel as described in the first and, and tenth chapter of Ezekiel. And it's about the flying uh, wheel in the middle of the wheel that is described that spirits traveled in faster than the speed of light. And then there's also the Ophan wheel, which I've described to you, which is the entity that is inside of the of the Zith, or the flying craft. So you have the flying craft, which is a wheel, and you have the, the, the entity, which is called a wheel, and you have, therefore, the wheel in the middle of the wheel. I've told you this before. I've got to tell you several times so that it's imprinted. And so in the Bible, let's turn to the book of Acts. Chapter 19. And let's see what the Bible says about this thing of this asteroid. Because there's quite a bit in the Bible about it. And who would have ever thought that? Well, we're going to cover a lot here today and you are going to be surprised. And you are going to be pleased. And some of you are going to want to shout. Whoa. <clears throat> Before we get into Acts 19, I should really start with Acts 7. Now Paul is giving a referendum here, a, I shouldn't say referendum, a reference of things of, about Moses. And we know that in the the book of Psalms that Psalms describes, uh, you know, an event in which uh, Moses um, is involved with these angels. And uh, we, we, we find that just so exciting uh, that there is so much information like that in the Word of God. And that was the, the 68th chapter of Psalms and verse 17 where it talked about the the chariots of God are 20,000 even thousands of angels and the Lord is among them as in Sinai in the holy place so during this time of receiving the the messengers of God from outer space and there was 20,000 of them that were in 20,000 chariots And they hovered over Sinai, the mountain, where the commandments were being received. And it's in the Bible. Did Moses know anything about flying saucers that people, what people call flying saucers? UFO? Yes, of course he did. But he knew that they weren't unidentified flying objects. He named that there was angels in them from God. 
he also made it clear that the Lord of hosts came down from those, those flying craft and came down in person and visited him and even showed up at the, at the camp. Well, back to the seventh chapter of Acts. Paul is describing a lot of these things about Moses in verse 42 um, uh, and 43, but let's, let's just read um, verse 43. Yes, you took up the tabernacle of Moloch and the star of your god, Rimphan. This goes way back to the days of Moses, ladies and gentlemen. You have to understand that, that, that Moloch and Rimfan, if you want to do the research on it, ties in to Saturn and ties in to the plan of Satan that he had for the moons of Saturn. Particular moons, of course, because there are over 62, over 60 moons that circulate around and are gravitated to the planet Saturn. And science, astrologers have found that there appears to be water and various life source material on some of these planets. And way back in the days of Moses, and Moses is knowing about it, and he says, you took up the tabernacle of Moloch and the star of your god Rimphan, figures which you made to worship them. And he says, therefore, I'm going to carry you away to Babylon. Why to Babylon? <laughs> because their belief is associated with Babylon. It's associated with doctrine and concepts, religiosity, and idolatry that came out of, of Babylon. So he says, you've sowed your own seed. You're going to be taken back there to this thing that you're worshiping that has to do with the Saturn complex. And if you take the time to look up those names and really do the, uh, the right job, I'll give you some information here, you'll find out that, yes, that's what we're talking about. There are many different names that, that have to do with re re uh, referencing Saturn. So we got Nergal, which is the planet Mars. We've got Rimfan, which is the planet Saturn. And then Jupiter is named outright in the Bible. And we'll get to that in just a little bit. And Jupiter is part of the Jupiter-Saturn asteroid belt complex. So when it, something talks about coming from the Jupiter thing, it's not talking about coming from the, that gaseous planet that has no solid surface. It's talking about the theater complex that is ties Jupiter and Saturn together in the asteroid belt, which is all part of the complex that those planets are involved in because of their gravitational holes. So because they have great, incredible gravitational powers, 
then all of those things within their gravitational holes are within a certain circumspect part of their complex. Is that exciting or not to know? Does God want us to be stupid, to be ignorant? So when the Bible, even going all the way back to, to the book of, of Deuteronomy, which we will be into after a bit, and the book of Moses, that we see Moses is doing these things. Don't you think it's time for that veil that's been over the eyes of the people and over the church to be taken off? Don't you think it's time to stop looking through the glass darkly and start seeing the light through the glorious sunshine of the living power of the Holy Ghost? Okay, let's, now let's go to Acts 19. And let's just read the story. <laughs> it's so interesting. Okay, let's look at uh, verse um, 30, um, 34. But when they knew that he was a Jew, all with one voice, for about the space of two hours, cried out, Great is Diana of the Ephesians. For two hours. What are we lacking in our church worlds today? I wonder how many people could stand to be in a church service. That for two hours, people stood and shouted, Great is our God Almighty. Great is our Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. I wonder how many people could get enough Holy Spirit in them, enough power of vibrational energy of the living God in them to be so energized that as they shouted, praise be the name of God, they would be filled with energy of God and they would just be so absorbed with it. Standing for two hours and shouting would be nothing. The, the, the place where these people had as a great amphitheater seated over 24,000 people. That's like a, an arena. People came to those services. They got something out of it. It wasn't the Spirit of God, but the Spirit of the devil was there, and they could feel it, and they interpreted it as being something Angelic. Well, it was angelic, but it wasn't the good angels. For two hours, they cried out, Great is Diane. Well, one of the things they got out of it is Diane, she was a sex goddess. So you think you could probably see some men shouting that for two hours. Because they were caught up in the sensuality of sexuality. And that was just one aspect of it, of course. But Satan knows what to use. 
He knows what tools to use. He knows how to use the continuous stroke. The Bible says that he does. It's all part of his, his Halloween, Halloween trickster stuff. And when the town clerk had appeased the people, he said, You men of Ephesus, what man is there that knoweth not how the city of, of Ephesians is a worshiper of the goddess Diane and of the image which fell down from Jupiter? That's the planet Jupiter, folks. That's the J planet Jupiter complex, which incorporates the Jupiter-Saturn asteroid belt. What person is there, they said, in, in the whole world <laughs> or in this country that doesn't know this? And today, when we read the Bible, we could almost say, you know, what person is there that really knows and understands this story? And instead of it being like the story that almost every man knew about the story of, of the image that fell down from from Jupiter, from the Jupiter-Saturn astro belt, asteroid belt complex. The comparative would be that, well, hardly anybody pays any attention to that. A few preachers here and there try to make a point out of it. And some do a better job than others, I'm sure of that. But the real deep story, the real deep story, the connection to Moloch, the connection going all the way back to Babylon and to Babel. Where are they at on that? If someone wants to say, that, ah, there's nothing that happened, there's nothing that happened in the Bible that, that is described about the, uh, about the, 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 the dinosaurs. Well, <laughs> the thing in the dinosaur name only came around in the, in the 1800s. Before that, they were known as dragons. And that's got all kinds of information all through the Bible on dragons. Come on, people. The Bible is an incredible book. It just has to be opened up. The seals have to be taken off. The Word of God has to be spoken Equal to like seeing Jesus see Lucifer, Satan, fall as lightning from the heavens. People have not seen the vision with that kind of lightning stroke, seven thunders revelation. But when you see the fall of Satan as the strike of lightning and you understand that, you understand that the lightning rod and what that means. And this is the same thing described in, in the book of, of Genesis. And we did that teaching about the rod. And how the Satan had that rod. And we know there's people say, ah, yeah, yeah, I don't know about all that. And talking about the witching rod and the, the divining rod. <coughs> well, in the sixth chapter of the book of Judges, the Bible says in the 21st verse, the angel of the Lord put forth the end of the staff that was in his hand. 
and he touched the flesh of the unleavened cakes. He touched the flesh and the unleavened cakes, and they rose up out of the rock and consumed uh, and there rose up fire out of the rock and consumed the flesh and the unleavened cakes. Then the angel of the Lord departed out of his sight. Why does an angel of the Lord, that's an incredible big title, have to use a staff? Why can't he just flick his, his thumb and finger, make a click, or just point a finger or just look at it? I suppose that he certainly could do that. Why doesn't he do it? Because there's a message and a deep understanding in the connection of this, the symbolism and, and the metaphor of the rod. I mean, how many people would be able to read Psalms 120 and even begin to understand it? And I don't have the time to do the teaching on it totally, but how many people when they would read Psalms 120 and 4. Sharp arrows of the mighty with coals of Jupiter. Well, this is talking about a Jupiter tree that has rod-like stems. Which have been used for witching rods in the past. And this was the very tree that Satan took and made his baton, his rod staff, his rod called the way rod, with a serpent's head on it, that he had to leave on Mars in a deep cave. Sharp arrows of the mighty with coals of Jupiter. There's a story there, an interesting story. An interesting story that even incorporates symbolically and metaphorically the asteroids from the Jupiter, not the Jupiter tree, but the Jupiter planets and Saturn planet asteroid belt. A connection there. The image that fell down from Jupiter, back to Acts, book of Acts 19. And the image which fell down from Jupiter, we're going to talk about this image. We're going to talk about it. Turn with me to the Old Testament, to the book of Amos. A-M-O-S, Amos, chapter 5, 25. Okay, in Amos 5, 25. Have you offered unto me the sacrifices and the offerings in the wilderness forty years, O house of Israel? <laughs> no, he says. Those forty years in the wilderness, that's not what you did. Even after you've seen the miracles. Even after you received the angelic uh, uh, manna bread. What did you, they do? Verse 26. But you have borne the tabernacle of your Moloch and Chang, your images. That's another spelling of Kaiwan, which also means Saturn. Your images and the star of your God, which you made to yourselves. Now remember that in Jude, when it talks about wandering stars, that's a passage from Greek 
dictionary stuff. Because in Greek, a wandering star is what the word planet means. So when you say planet, P-L-A-N-E-T, in, in Greek, that means wandering stars. And that's why at some places in time, even the sun, which is a star, and the moon, which is a satellite to the earth, so to speak, they were also considered part of the planetary system. Well, they were not planets in the sense that, you know, the earth and, and Mercury and, you know, and Mars and so forth are planets. But they were part of the planet system because they were part of the solar system. They were in the theater of, of the solar system. Wow. So we have to get all this stuff down because it's so very, very important. Okay, let's look at that again. Verse 26, but you have borne the tabernacle. I mean, this is a, this is a religiosity. This is a, you know, something, you know, this, this is the church of Satan. You know? Of your Moloch. <coughs> and Moloch is is tied into the to the whole satanic thing to the saturn satanic thing Chiang your images the star of your god which you made to yourselves therefore i will cause you to go into captivity this is a disdainful thing to god it's not an acceptable thing to god wow So now there you have it recorded in the Bible that something fell down from Jupiter. In the Bible. And it has to do with an image. And we want to get into some really, really interesting things here about this. Because it is just so absolutely important important for people to, to, to know these things and have the understanding of these things. Because without them, they don't understand Genesis 1.14. And God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night <clears throat> and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years. We've got to get into this thing about understanding what time is. We're going to talk about this star time because we live in star time and most people are living in earth time. We live in star time. The Bible set us up in star time and people are trying to, be, to relegate time to earth time. And that circulates around about their job and their life. And I mean, there's, that's okay to have an, an aspect of that that does that. You need that. But you can't limit it to that because when you do, you cut out the universe. You cut out the plan of God. You cut out the revelation of God. Star time is very important. Very, 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 very important. And that's why everything is, is relegated in the Bible to this thing about star time. So when you look in the book of Psalms 89... And verse 36, 
it says his seed shall endure forever. And his throne as the sun before me. And you can find other scriptures even more specific that seems to relegate or relate that the endurance of time has to do with the endurance of the star, which is called our sun. And so as long as the sun lasts, as far as this solar system is concerned, as far as this earth world is concerned, that's forever. That's a forever. There's more than one forever. Because as we've taught you so many times, the Bible says forever and ever. So we know, therefore, that one forever is not the ultimate all of all time. Okay, so now, as we move on, we begin to see these things. And we see how that the different names have different classifications. For instance, um, if, we, uh, if we compare... Um, you know, um, this name Rimfan, someone say, well, where did that come from? That's the Egyptian name for Saturn. R-E-M-P-H-A-N is the Egyptian name for Saturn. And that's where that, that name then went into the Bible. But there could have been many other spellings that could have gone in there representing Saturn, which were the transliteration of the language of other nations. And in fact, indeed, we do have a lot of that in the Bible. So if you don't know these different transliterations, if you're not able to check or, or to work it out, then you just end up thinking it's something totally different and foreign and unrelated without realizing the story of Saturn and how that Saturday is named after Saturn. And there are so many connections that we need to get into, and, and we will. God grant us the time. We will. God grant us the time. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. Okay, so um, we'll just, uh, I'm going to keep moving on because there is so much to share. There is so much to say. We just, we, we, can't, we can't stop. Now turn with me to the book of Daniel, the second chapter. Daniel chapter 2. Okay. And we're going to look at um, verse 44. There is something the Bible tells us that happened. In verse 44, it says, And in the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. And the kingdom shall, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people. But it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. For as much as thou sawest that the stone was cut 
out of the mountain without hands. And it break in pieces the iron, the brass, the clay, the silver, the gold. The great God made known to the king what shall come hereafter. Now let's back up and let's go over to verse 31 of the same chapter, chapter 2. Thou, O king, talking about Nebuchadnezzar, that's N-E-B-U-C-H-A-D-N-E-Z-Z-A-R, or if you're Canadian, Z-Z-A-R, N-E-B-U-C-H-A-D-N-E-Z-Z-A-R. Verse 34, verse 31. Thou, O king, sawest and behold a great image. An image. Wasn't it an image that came down from Jupiter? Well, I think that's what it says. Fell to the earth. This great image, whose brightness was excellent, stood before thee. And the form thereof was terrible, but that is an old English word that actually means now wonderful. The image... The form there was wonderful. This image that we look at in this description had brightness to it. The Bible says that Satan can transform to become like an angel of light. And his legs of iron, his feet were part of iron, part of clay. Thou sawest until that a stone was cut out without hands, which smote the image upon his feet that were of iron and clay and break them to pieces. Then was the iron, the clay, and brass, the silver, and the gold broken to pieces together and became like the shaft of the summer threshing floors. And the wind carried them away and no place was found for them. And the stone that smote the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. In the 40th verse, it says, The fourth kingdom shall be strong as iron, for as much as iron breaketh in pieces, subdueth all things. And as iron that breaketh all these things, it breaketh in pieces and, and it bruises. And in verse 43, And whereas thou sawest the iron mixed with miry clay, they shall mingle themselves with the seed of men. Now remember, we're talking about this story in the sixth chapter of Genesis. The Nephtalim, that were these giants that the sons of God, which were the children of Seth, which had souls, began to intermingle with the, with, with, with the Nephtalim. Not, not the fallen angels, not, not the angels of Satan. But these particular Nephtalim were demon-possessed by the angel devils of Satan. And that's where there's been a confusion. But they possessed these men and, and they put lust desires in, in there so that the women lusted after these Nephtalim. And there's a story there about the Nephtalim supposed to be destroyed at the flood. But later we see in the Bible that the remnants of the Nephtalim are still alive. How could the, the Nephtalim of the rim of the, of, of the, and the remnants of these Nephtalim be alive when the Bible says in Genesis 
that everything that had flesh and dwelt upon the land was destroyed unless the Nephthalim were moved. And they were moved. Because just as Jesus says that as in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. And he compares it to the rapture. One in the field, one taken. One at the mill, one taken, one left. And the catching up into the air. Meeting with the, with, with, with the angels and being taken away in the ziths. Just as it describes Jesus being taken away and carried, the word uses the word carried away. I've read that scripture many times to you in the New Testament. And so whenever a door is open on the one side, you have, you have, you know, the super and you have the low. So you've got the peak and the trough. And the higher the peak, it allows for greater energy to descend. The greater the speed of the descent, it allows to come out and go back up to a peak. It's like the positive and the negative. When you open one door, you open the other. If you don't do that, you don't, in the energy of electricity, have electricity. And so Satan took advantage of that open door in which the children of Seah, uh, pardon me, the children of, of, of Enoch were saved and carried away to the father's house. He took advantage of that and he carried his Nephtalim away to first Mars and then to the planet uh, moons of Saturn. And he had a plan, verse 43, you know, to mingle the seed of men. This was the same thing described in the book of, of Genesis chapter 6. The mingling of the seed of men with the soul people. He still had that plan in mind. He wanted to save that. He wants to destroy all the, the ophanim, fallen ophanim, who have spirit souls. We're not talking body souls here. We're talking spirit souls. And he wants to destroy their ability to be a testament or a testimony to God and for Jesus Christ. All right. Now, when we look at this, when, when, we, when we see these stories... Verse 31, the great image. And when we begin to get this message, we're beginning to see that there was a stone that was cut out. And, and this stone wrecked havoc. Let's just real quick skip over to verse to, to chapter 13 of Revelations. I've got to really move on this because I've got a lot to cover and it's really important I get some of this out. Revelations 13. In Revelations 13, 11. And I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns and a lamb. He exercises all the power of the first beast before him, causes the earth and them that dwell therein to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. He doeth great wonders. He brings fire down from heaven in the sight of men. He deceiveth them which dwell on the earth by means of those miracles which he can do. 
and, this, and, and do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on earth, they should make an image to the beast which had the wound by the sword and did live. So there is already an image in the sense of the picture, the, the reality picture. But they are to make an image of that image. <coughs> so this whole thing about Diana, <coughs> excuse me, and the image, and the people making images to their star god, all goes along with this revelation thing. It's all part of them being told to make an image. That's the message. Make an image of the image. So that you have a personal teraphim. Once teraphim was a powerful good thing, they turned it into not a good thing. And this teraphim, of course, connects to the rod, which I don't have time to teach that today, but I have taught it in the past. Because it would be like the head that was on the rod, like the way baton that Satan has, has a, a serpent's head on it that looks more like that flying giant dinosaur bird from past ages. And so then, as we begin to get into this, we see they were to make an image. And that's what the people of, that were worshiping Diane were doing. They had an image. And that's what the people going way back in the days of Moses that were in the wilderness, their Moloch and, and Rapham, they were making an image to, to the, 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 the god, the dragon, the the beast of Satan, the Saturn beast. They're making a, an image. That's where that all comes from. It goes way, way, way back in time. And it's been brought forward just like the mystery of Gog and Magog keeps coming, going forward. And just like uh, Babylon that you thought was going to be totally destroyed and never exist again, suddenly it crops up and it exists in the book of, new, of, of Revelations uh, futuristically. Wow. Wow. So, as we begin to, to, to see this, as we begin to get into the revelation of it, your eyes will really be opened. Verse 14, he deceived them on the earth by means of the miracles that he does, skipping down to the bottom of the verse, that they should make an image to the beast which had the wound by the sword and did live. Keep that in mind, wound by the sword and did live. And he had power to give life unto the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the beast, that worship the image of the beast should be killed. Now, keep all of that in mind as we roll on. Now, a famous temple that was involved with this thing of Diane was called Artemis. It was a huge temple, and, uh, and, and it, it has been destroyed and rebuilt many times. Even Alexander the Great uh, offered to put, it, put out the money to rebuild that temple. In mythology, Diane, Diana was the daughter of Jupiter, the chief god, the chief god, Wow. And the sister of Apollos. Do you know that this thing about the temple of Artemis, this thing of the Diane and, and the image and all of that, 
all encompassed at one time being one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. Now, how does this cross against the things of God? Well, if you look at Exodus 20 and verse 4 through 5, in the commandments, it says, Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or likeness of anything <coughs> that is in heaven above. Moses received all this revelation. He knew what this was talking about. Or that is in the earth beneath. Or that is in the water under the earth. Wow. This is Bible stuff. This is so important for, for people to get into the understanding. Now when we get into the different Bible translations, and there's a lot of them, you know, uh, that, <coughs> that have come down. Um, we get into the, um, the, the CJB, which is the common uh, Jewish uh, Bible. Uh, it talks about the sacred stone that came down from heaven. Sacred. We get into the, the ESV, um, you know, which is the, the standard uh, uh, Bible version. The, pardon me, the English Standard Version, the ESV, it says the same thing about the stone that came down, the sacred stone. Even the GNT, the Good News Translation, says that. And the HNV, uh, it, it, it goes along with this, you know, this, this great uh, goddess and image that fell. And uh, in the KJV, it says that. This thing about stones falling and having some sacredness to them. Look, at, look in Mecca, <coughs> the black stone that once was white. <coughs> Excuse me. That, um, that is such a gathering point of, of the Muslims. The, the stango is not, it's not simple Simon. Even... There's something, but I don't have time to go into it today, about this star wormwood that falls down to earth in Revelations 8, verses 10 through 12. There's a story there that connects to all of this. Now, turn with me to the book of Nahum. And, and we're getting some more scriptures here. These, these are so important Ladies and gentlemen, so important for you to know this and to have this. You know, now <clears throat> Nahum is way over close, you know, toward the end of the, um, of the Old Testament. And uh, after uh, the book of Joel and Amos, and uh, after, uh, you know, the book of Jonah, and uh, it is after Micah, Nahum. Let's read it. This is something. Chapter 1, verse 5 and 6. The mountains quake at him. The hills melt. Melt, M-E-L-T. And the earth is burned at his presence. Yea, the world and all that dwell therein. What in the world is this talking about? Come on, we had a flood. 
But when did anything like this ever happen? When were hills melted? When ever in the history of time was the earth burned and and the, the presence of all that dwelt therein burned and destroyed? Verse 6, Who can stand before his indignation? Who can abide in the fierceness of his anger? His fury, his fury is poured out like fire, and the rocks, R-O-C-K-S, are thrown down by him. Thrown down. Rocks, asteroids, same thing. The asteroids are thrown down by God. Here it is. Clear, precise, and Bible. The world has had this incredible thing. If you, if you just take the time and you know, do a little history search about what they say happened, this horrible, almost incredible to survive type of thing that happened all over the earth when that huge asteroid came down in Mexico. And the fire and the, and the melting and <laughs> that it caused. It's here, ladies and gentlemen. It's right in the Bible in Nahum. The mountains quake at him. It, it, it caused earthquakes all over. They say that. And the hills melt. And the earth is burned. The world and all that is therein is burned. Who can stand before his indignation? Who can abide his fierceness? This wasn't done by the devil. This was done by God. God using his angels. They did something up there. And the only scripture we have in the New Testament that talks about something coming down to the earth in that, in that kind of a sense is the ones I read to you about Jupiter, the image that came down. There was an image that, that Lucifer was putting up, that Lucifer Satan was putting up. And that image was wounded and was forced to come down. Wow. Who can stand before his indignation? His fury, fury is poured out like fire. And that's what you have when those asteroids go through the, the firmament. And the rocks are thrown down by him. From up above, thrown down by him. It's in the book. Just take a look. Oh, Lord, is that ever utterly, fantastically incredible. So, ladies and gentlemen, let's look at some more. Turn with me to Deuteronomy 32. And this is the song of Moses. This thing about rock is big. It's really, really a big subject throughout the Bible. And there are two different rocks. Verse 4. He is the rock. <clears throat> He's talking about God. He is the rock. And <clears throat> verse 13, he made him ride on the high places of the earth. 
that he might eat this, the substance of the field and made him to suck honey out of the rock and oil out of the, out of the uh, 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 Fenty uh, rock. There's a ministry of rock and, and it's, it's the Selah rock story. So when you find this thing in the book of Psalms where it says Selah, that's all tied into an incredible story. It has an incredible record to it. We've taught on it. We don't have the time to do that today. And now in Deuteronomy 32, 17, and they sacrificed unto devils. Now it's beginning to get it straight. Some of these things they were doing to Moloch and Rimfam, the real story was, wasn't just some idle concept that they made up, but it was literally had to do with recognizing the devils, the, the demons of Satan. Not to God, but to gods whom they knew not. To new gods that, that had come up newly, or newly came up, whom your fathers feared not. Of the rock that beget thee, thou art unmindful. Well, we don't, some people think they know every aspect of what the rock that begot thee was. But they don't really. Because they don't really, really know the whole scripture. And, and they, they've forgotten uh, the scripture. You know, that says that, um, and I've read this to you and taught this to you. That, that we were carved out. We were carved out of a pit. And and uh, and the whole story of, of of the rock, and all of that is involved in this carving out of this black hole pit. And I've shared that scripture with you many times, and uh, we'll see whether that's. Uh, uh, well, I can just go ahead and give it to you. It's on Isaiah 51.1, where the Bible says that this universe was, was dug out of a black hole pit. And, and you'll see scripture for that as, as we, we come on up. Uh, you know, uh, 51.1, black hole pit. So when it says, God says, the rock that beget thee, people don't understand that whole story. They don't really know what that means. They don't know the story that we have taught about how that, that Lucifer, that when he was in acting as son of the morning, the bright, as the bright morning star office of, of Yaviel, how that he began to inject a certain genetic code that was being put into creation. And this genetic code is what eventually brought about the... the the, the, the fifth creation uh, dispensation in which the dinosaurs were created, the longest day of creation. And that is so important because as long as those first, the first wave of creation, now when I talk about that this wave of, of this creation of the dinosaurs that is estimated to be uh, was estimated to be destroyed um, you know 65 million years ago and that lasted on the earth for over 200 million years 
when I talk about it being destroyed and I talk about that happening from Saturn, I'm not talking about the Saturn, the, the planet. I'm talking about the Saturn complex, which includes the Jupiter-Saturn asteroid belt. And that's very important that you, that you understand that. And so then when we begin to get into this message and we begin to see this revelation, it is so absolutely important to encompass this thing of the devils and this thing when it says that, that about the rock, about, about you know, uh, the rock that begat thee, uh, which is in the 32nd chapter of Deuteronomy and the 18th verse. That God had to destroy the dinosaurs that were a creation of, of satanic genetic wrangling before the earth would be ready for soul, the spirit soul man, to start life on the planet and pro provide bodies for the, for the fallen Ophanim. And that's why there were all these other uh, hominids that lived on the earth that were pre-Adamic, and they're described as rivers in, in the book of Genesis. And those are some of the various ancient kinds of, of human-like creatures that lived on the earth and go way back in time. And then we also teach there is a, was a second destruction of the dinosaurs, which included a lot of the destruction of the, of the dragons. And that was at a different time. So you have to be careful not to get this confused. Otherwise, it'll make it sound like something is being said that is not the case. Okay, so let's, let's go on here and let's look at um, uh, verse uh, 37 uh, of, of chapter 32 of, of, um, of Deuteronomy. Verse 37, and he shall say, and he shall say, where are their gods? Their, their rock in whom they trusted. They see this thing rock is so important. Because when it describes the uh, Tyrus, and it describes uh, him being a cherub, which is who Satan was, who Lucifer was, uh, it uses the word and uses the word Tyrus, uh, uh, Tyrus rather. That means that means rock. That was that name translates to rock, Tyrus. And so he's talking about their rock. And that description of Tyrus and the king of Tyrus was actually a description of the cherub, Lucifer, because of the name that was being used there to make that, that symbolic connection. Tyre, meaning rock. And he says, you know, their rock in whom they trusted. But in verse 40, God says, I'm going to do something about it. For I lift up my hand to heaven, and I say, I live forever. You are not going to take out of my hand, the Bible says of the disciples, with the exception of one, that there would be no power that could remove these disciples from the hand of God. 
and he is saying that these ovenims that are going to come down and take bodies, there's going to be no power that God is going to allow to steal, to take away uh, uh, and take them out of the hand of God. And he says, I will lift up my hand forever and I will say, I live forever. And he's referring in that to this thing that he's going to do in the destruction of, of the dinosaurs with a rock from the very asteroid belt of, of the Saturn that Lucifer is trying to use as a base for his, for his kingdom uh, in order to prepare uh, his armies of over 200 million, not counting the Gog and the Magog even. Wow. So, um, let's look here. We're in verse, we're in chapter 32, and we, we see the incredibility of, of this scripture and how, how incredible it is. And then he goes on to say, uh, after he said, I will lift up my hand. And what will he do? He said, Mine hand shall take hold on judgment, and I will render vengeance to mine enemies. And reward them that hate me. I will make mine arrows drunk with blood. And remember the word arrows were used in chapter 120, verse uh, 4, I think it is, of Psalms, where it's talking about the Jupiter tree and the arrows of coal. And I will make mine arrows drunk with blood, and my sword shall devour flesh, that the blood of the slain and the captives from the beginning of, uh, beginning of revengeance upon the enemy. Wow. So when he lifts up his hand, it's connected to a power of vengeance against, against the forces that want to stop the living of God in God's people. And so that is so very, very important. Wow. Now, I've got to keep moving here because <laughs> there is uh, so much that uh, that needs you know needs to be said, but let's look at first at while we're still in in chapter thirty two, let's look at um, verse twenty two and through twenty four. Go back a little bit, verse twenty two. For a fire is kindled in mine anger, and shall burn into the lowest hell, H E L L. And shall consume the earth with their increase and set on fire the foundations of the mountains. Now this, this is not the same scripture that I read to you earlier about, about this event that, that was going to happen and like burn up part of the earth and, and all that. There's a new scripture on it. And it says that a fire is kindled in mine anger. Now this is Deuteronomy 32 verse 22. And shall burn. Now remember, I've taught you this before that uh, uh, a lot of the new versions have changed the tenses because they realized when some of the tenses were, were uh, uh, put together in the um, Old Testament um, as, as transliterations that the words actually uh, just as easily could have been present or future. And we have the same thing here. Uh, you know, what they call uh, future can be past. And, and a fire is kindled mine anger and shall burn unto the lowest hell, or has burned into the lowest hell. Now, 
even in my Bible, it gives a reference to the word hell. And it says, or pit. So when we see the lowest hell that this, this thing is going to be kindled, this anger is going to be from the lifting up of its hand is going to happen. And, and, and we look at, the, look at this lowest hell, uh, which means pit, or it can mean crater, like the crater that the asteroid made upon the earth, which was, which was huge. And this crater uh, has a continuous meaning because it is, it is a story about the Saturn thing. It is a story about God's judgment on it and the angels of God interfering with it. And it's just awesome. Just absolutely, incredibly awesome. And I will heap Mishab, verse 23, upon them I will uh, send my arrows. And we see, we see in the scripture that arrows can even mean like, like these asteroids being sent out as, as a, a rocket, as a missile. And, and which are like called like arrows. And they shall be burnt with hunger and devoured with burning and with the bitter destruction. And I will send the teeth of beast upon them and the poison of serpents of the dust. Because we know that it tells us uh, in the book of Revelations. Um, for instance, in uh, Revelations 18, it tells us. And let me read that real fast. Um, and this is very interesting. But I've got to really move here. I'm really concerned to not get further up the road with my teaching here. But in, in Revelations um, uh, 18.21, And a mighty angel took up a stone, a rock, an asteroid, like a, a millstone, and cast it into the sea, saying, Thus with violence shall the great city Babylon be thrown down and shall be found no more. This is a later version of the destruction of Babylon. Once again, this is a story about an asteroid, this time going into the sea. And so this thing of, of stones, of, of asteroids, is something that God has used. And the story of it is actually quite frequent in, in, the, in the Bible. And uh, uh, now if you turn real fast to Joshua, uh, the book of Joshua, there's an interesting scripture I want to throw in here. I don't want you to miss uh, and, I, and I'm just trying to not leave out these scriptures because they're, they're so beautiful. Look at uh, Joshua 24. <clears throat> Let me read that to you. And it says, um, just a minute here, Joshua 24, 27. Okay, here we go. 24, 27, it says, And Joshua said unto the people, Behold, this stone shall be a witness unto us, for it hath heard all the words of the Lord, which he spake unto us. And it shall therefore be a witness unto you, lest you deny or lest you deny God. So a stone heard the words. The atoms in the stone heard the words. In the 19th chapter of Psalms, it says the line of God has gone out. Described in the 10th chapter of Romans as the sound has gone out. 
And this line of measurement, this sound, has gone out into all of the universe. There's no place it has not gone. And, and here we see in this, in this connection that there is, that when the angels send in this message, when they begin to war with the angels, the bad angels of, of, of Lucifer, Satan, in the, the Jupiter-Saturn asteroid belt complex area, like from off their, 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 their moon base of Saturn, and they begin to, to war, that out of that turbulence came this Soundtron word from the good angels, and they moved that word into the Jupiter Jupiter Saturn asteroid belt and caused one of the huge gigantic asteroid stones to jump its orbit. And then the next thing they, they did is implanted in it the words of the Lord. Go forth, O you stone. Be like the stone of David that killed the giant. Go forth, you stone, and strike the earth and destroy the symbol of, of, of Lucifer, Satan, the dragon, the, the dr dinosaurs. And here you have the word that such a thing is possible. Oh, man. Oh, Lord. Oh, God. Is that not beautiful? The stone records the message. I want to tell you the power that you have in God when you speak the word of God. That the elements can hear it. Like when Jesus said to the wind, be still. And that listen to him. That's how God moves by His Spirit. That's how God moves in the glory of His Shekinah. We are being moved into a ministry of declawing, declawing the dragons. We are breaking out their teeth. This word is out to get the image of the dragon, of the beast. And to bring it into destruction. Okay. Real fast with this. Jesus said you are the salt of the earth. What are we going to have to do to be able to really get into this revelation? Well, it's like, you know, turning one thing into something else. We know there's only 3% fresh water on the planet according to statistics. And that the rest of the ocean of water is so full of salt that it's, it, it's undrinkable by the human being. And yet, we're the salt of the earth. So, God has given us a lattice energy to discover the atomic mass number of, of atoms that are in any molecular mass. And to, to be able to make a transmutation which is the changing of or, or the conversion of one chemical element of isotope into another such as would regard the this ocean of salt this this aqueous sodium but in order to do that one must 
know how to find the weight and the volume and the percentage of salt concentration so that this solution of aqueous sodium can be changed. And to be able to do that, you have to be able to convert the atoms that are in a, in a molecular mass to, to ion or convert the sodium, as we're talking about the, the salt, into a solid gas. Well, in order to convert moles, M-O-L-E-S, of a substance to atoms, it takes a conversion factor. And in order to know, like salt, sodium, chemical number Na, that has to be converted, there is a system that was invented by a fellow, a brilliant fellow, Avogadro, A-V-O-G-A-D-R-O. And he invented the number which allows a person to, con to make those conversions and, and to turn the salt bridge into an electro-ionized medium that can still work as a salt bridge for grounding between the anoid and the cathoid, the positive, the negative, but yet does not destroy the neutrality that might need to be used for grounding. Now, I have been working for some number of years, uh, just a little at a time, on a, on a, a method of being able to uh, uh, desalt water that comes out of the ocean. And uh, it has to do with this uh, conversion to ions and to then making it a solid mass and then evaporating that solid mass as a gas so that it just it, it the, the salt dissipates as a gas and separates from the, from the from the H2O the water and uh why do i mention that well it says you know you are the salt of the earth. We're the salt of the earth. We are the, the vessels that need to be used to be able to re reveal the revelation. Now, there are things of revelation that you must know to really understand the, the, the Bible. And one of those is the scripture I keep reading over and over and over again to you because it is so absolutely essential. And it's... it's uh, it's the, the scripture in Ephesians chapter 6, verse, verse tw uh, 12. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, and against rulers of the darkness of the world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. If you don't put that on your memory block, if you don't get that down, you'll never understand the Bible. You'll understand little pieces of it, but you won't really understand the message. Because you've got to understand how that these symbolic things given in the Bible, uh, the mean. Now, let's look at Revelation 17, 10, 17. Revelation 17, 10, 17. You've got to get this down. If you don't get this down, you're not going to understand the Bible either. 17, 17 says this. Um, just a minute here, and let's see if I can, I'm jumping ahead here. 
Uh, where am I at? Lost my place. Uh, 17, let's start with, uh, with uh, 1710. And there are seven kings. Five are fallen, and one is, and the other is not yet come. And when he cometh, he must continue a short pace. And the beast that was and is uh, not, even he is of the eighth, and, uh, and is of the seventh, and goeth into perdition. Now, sometimes, <coughs> when people do not understand uh, the continuity of the river of time, and and how that we are in the the generations of time, and and there is a thousand generations as described in the hundred fifth chapter of Psalms and and in the ninetieth chapter of Psalms, and and that uh, these generations go on and on and on. So when it describes uh, the Persian nation or the Greek nation, or and people think of an individual like uh, you know, like like Alexander or Peter the Great, or, or all these different ones. Uh, in the scenario of the time, times and a half times, Alexander is there, Peter the Great is there, uh, Persia is there, Iran is there, which is old Persia, and, 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 uh, and Greece is there, uh, America is there, uh, the UK is there, Russia is there. We're all there going all the way back into time, uh, uh, even back into uh, what those nations were formed out of, parts of other nations or parts of other people, is still, they're all in the river of time. And so when people try to go back and say, okay, now this particular scripture is referring to Alexander the Great, uh, he might be in that picture, but he's only a part, and those, that picture is like a wave. It keeps changing. And so unless you understand that the real force that we are fighting isn't about what Alexander the Great did or Peter the Great did, isn't about what some nation did or didn't do, it's about the powers and the principalities of, of darkness. And if we don't get that down, we miss it out. Now let me go on here, okay? <clears throat> and we see in the 11th verse here where one beast uh, uh, who is of the 8th uh, there was a time that he was not, and then there's a time that he is. And that's because of this moving through the river of time from one different form that he, that he was to a form that he is not to a form that he becomes. So that, so that, the, so that the, 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 the seventh, <coughs> excuse me, pardon me, so the seventh becomes the, the, um, the eighth, and the seventh was from another uh, entity. And, and, and so something that was something else becomes a, a something different again. And then something else different again. Because they're all part of what is in the river of time. So then we, we read in verse 15. And he said unto me, and we're in chapter 17. He said unto me, the waters which thou sawest where the horse sitteth are the peoples and the multitudes and the nations and the tongues. So the waters of this whole time, river of time, incorporate the people, the nations, the kindreds, the tongues. Yes, Alexander is there. Greece is there. The United States is there. Russia is there. And back into time, the other names of other nations that seem to not be existence, existent, but they exist in the the blood flow of the people, which is all part of the river of time, and, and, and under other names. And so the real message isn't what one kingdom on earth called, called the United States is, or Babylon is, 
<coughs> only is it important as they they are being used and represent either the forces of good or the forces of evil because the real war the real thing that's happening uh is <coughs> is about um the 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 forces and the principalities of darkness and light and that's the real story that is the real story and so in Daniel 8:9 through 11 and 20 through 21 it talks about the abomination that maketh desolate and Jesus said when you read this be sure that you understand it you know Daniel misfigured time in Daniel 9:2 he thought he had to know it by the books but in Daniel 9:21 24 the angel Gabriel came to him and said, I'm going to give you skills so that you will not, you will understand beyond the books. The Bible says that the word is dead without the spirit. Ladies and gentlemen, I guess I've run out of time. And I have so much to share with you. We'll continue next week. Blessed be the name of God. Blessed be the name of my Jesus. And I want to pray for you. I know there's some of you out there that I just haven't been able to get back to. Please forgive me. I'm just a human. I can only accomplish so much. Only by the Spirit of God can I do more. But I do love you. And I do feel a deep compassion for your illnesses and your sicknesses. And I want God to heal you. Heal your blindness. Heal your deafness. Heal the parts of your body that is not functioning. Oh God, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, may your spirit move right now over this, tele over this broadcast. May it move, oh God, spirit to spirit. May it move and begin to heal these people, Lord. Heal them that are sick. Heal those that are depressed. I pray for the poor and the homeless. I pray for the sick and the distressed. For the mentally perturbed. In the name of Jesus, heal them. God bless you. God bless you. Goodbye for now.